Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Get £20 in free bets when you join today and bet £10 on any sport. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. New customers only. Minimum first bet of £10 at odds of evens or greater from a UK debit card. For £5 free bets valid for seven days. Full terms at mansionbet.com. 18 plus. Be gamble aware. Welcome along to Robins at the Gate with myself, Michelle Owen and Greg McGregor as we enter the final week of the regular EFL season. And finally, Nigel Pearson has been permanently appointed. We'll look at the announcement and what happened with that. We will reflect on the Millwall game and try and take some positives from it. It's getting hard at the moment. And we'll look ahead to the final game of the season and look what has been happening off the field this week as well with Steve Lansdowne mentioning Mark Ashton. It's going to be the worst finish in a few years too. So we'll touch on that and the social media boycott that has just finished. So, Gregor, welcome along. We said it had to happen last week. Not that we have any influence at all, but look, you were right. Uh, Nigel Pearson has now been appointed on a three-year deal. Um, He's here to stay, but boy, he's got some work to do. Um, But what did you think of of the timing? Was it what you expected from the club? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, the news sort of broke sort of middle of last week and we'd obviously already reported that there were talks happening. Nigel Pearson had explained himself that he'd he'd met Steve Lansdowne. He flew over to Guernsey, as I think we said last time on the podcast, and he's spoken to John Lansdowne extensively as well. So, yeah, we were expecting it to happen basically at any time and, and it made sense to do it earlier rather than later. And also, just like a, a small little point that ties into that, it's the final day, as we record today on Tuesday, of, of season card sales for, for retaining your your seat. So we expected them to basically break, um, publish the, the news well in time to basically generate some excitement for next season and, and then obviously try and um, use it in that campaign to, to market their season cards because it, it, it just all ties in. That's the way it works, doesn't it, in business, in football and, and everything. So, yeah, we, we thought it was always going to happen at the end of the week, um, at the beginning, well, well before the social media blackout rather than after it. And, and yeah, so it was just a case of, when and I have to say I quite liked their um, their the way they announced it with the old uh, <laughs> first a cider drink making plans with Nigel and then a, a pretty crazy video. Do you know what? Um, it was very it was very clever from the social media team and, and the marketing team the way they announced it and of course um, football's business so they they really they needed to announce it in line with the season cards because despite. The result, Nigel Pearson does seem to be a pretty popular fan, with a popular figure with the fans. But yeah, there was some great stuff on social media before the social media boycott announcing um, Nigel Pearson's appointment. Uh, cheers, Nigel, as well, with, with one of their sponsors, the Thatcher Side, afterwards. They had a, a, an interview on their website. But yeah, the making plans bit was good. But <laughs> the video, uh, Wolf of Wall Street video, Gregor, I wasn't expecting it to be honest, to see your head floating across and my head floating across and uh, respectable, uh, respective rather, media in Bristol just floating, yeah. floating heads. All the, 
it was very clever to get us on on side almost because it made us laugh. All all the podcasts on there weren't there uh, yeah, as well. So uh, um, BS on stream and three yeah, BS three podcast. Um, Ali Durden was in there from yeah. BBC Radio Bristol. As was Jeff Twentyman. It was it was just really yeah. funny funny way to put it together because. Um, they know that we talk about them the whole time. So it made us laugh and it was quite clever, really. Yeah, it, it ties in with the sort of promotion stuff they've done with the Bristol Bears, and which is, I, I think, what well, the Bears, if you haven't seen any of their stuff, they've, they've done some really leading, cutting-edge kind of social media stuff, very funny stuff, and it tied in with that. It's good to see. I I, I think I always like to see a bit of humour on, on the club side because oh, people yeah. do take things a bit too seriously at times and i know we we sit here and do you know what i think we do try and be positive most of the time when we can um but it is nice to have a little bit of a little bit of fun like that so yeah it's good not to take things too seriously Uh, however to bring it back to being serious for a moment unfortunately you know nigel pearson's record isn't isn't good that is the truth but he's got the job gregor they must have a lot of faith in him for, for the job he can do. And his record does speak for himself. But Mark tweeted us and uh, he said on the sound of the city, Pearson said the coaches are very good. The recruitment team is very good. And we shouldn't expect any marquee signings this summer. He intends to play winning football. He didn't mention how he's going to turn us from humiliatingly terrible to any good. It's just, there's just so much to do, Gregor. You look back on, on Saturday and the Millwall game you know, if we are going to take the positives, it was great to see Tommy Conway scoring. I was watching it at Quest and they were like, who's that? And, and obviously it was a bit harder to get team news and things, but I've been keeping an eye on Bristol Live and, and the Bristol website. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Tommy Conway. And um, and it was. And what a moment for him. So let, let's start with the positives. Yeah, it was a, a great finish. It was a great, br- well, brilliant, brilliant through pass from, from Henry Lansbury. Yeah, absolutely fantastic pass and um, really showing maybe what what we haven't seen. And uh, yeah, um, he's maybe, Lansbury's maybe got a little bit to do to convince that um, a lot. to convince that he's, he's, he's staying. Yeah, a lot. And uh, I, I still would like to see a bit more from him. I'm not sure he's been quite as mobile as I would have liked around the pitch. He's obviously playing one of those holding midfield roles and his passing has, has been okay for me. And, and this was a, an example of what he can offer the team. Um, and he certainly does get his foot in, to be fair to him, but he has given away a lot of fouls as well as well at the same time. And um he he was a little bit lucky not to to give away a penalty uh, early towards I can't remember if it was this game or the one before and um, so and, and obviously there was the Sheffield Wednesday instance so I do think he's got a bit to do but yeah I'm getting away from Conway's excellent finish and it, it was it was superb I, his movement is really is really sharp I, he was a, a threat he missed that, an easier chance yeah he, he was a threat in that Luton Town game and he's carried on. Here with his little darts just outside the box, and yeah, you're right. He could have had another goal straight after Casey Palmer won the ball high, swung into him, and he maybe should have done a bit better. Certainly should have hit the target, but then he is only 18 years old. So yeah, yeah another good talent. Yeah, good for him, and and really great to to see for. Bristol City, but apart from that, there wasn't a lot to write home about. Yes, again, yeah, you do have to write home about it, Gregor. Um, Millwall dominated possession, had loads of shots. Same old story for Bristol City. The fallout of this has been um, quite harsh from some people. 
uh, the fan writer on Bristol Live, Matt Withers, I was reading his piece and it was pretty damning on Thomas Callis. I mean, yeah, he, he didn't do very well against Millwall, that's for sure. Was at fault for, for one of the goals? Definitely. Um, I mean, Thomas Callis was an expensive signing. Would you agree with, with what Matt said? Yes, uh, to a degree. I, I've got no qualms about Callas. I, I think he's been one of their best players this season, one of their best performers, one of their most consistent. But he has been out of form the last few games. He, We interviewed him on, on Thursday last week and he didn't seem to be his normal self. I've, I've got to say, he is my favourite player to uh, interview because he, he just... He seems a little bit more honest he, he's, than, than than other players. He, he, he's some, he, he seems less media trained than other players. Um, he, he will he will tell you what's going on um, more so than other players. And I love his, some of the turn of phrases that he uses. Um, but he seemed really down and he got upset actually at one of my questions. And I, I had to apologise in fact to him afterwards. Um, because he, he really didn't like me bringing up that he'd scored an own goal against England in for, for Czech Republic. He, he didn't feel it was relevant to the question. It was about Euro 2020 we were asking him about and, and facing England again. But he, I think maybe maybe that just hints that he's not quite himself at the moment. And and then obviously he he just put put in a calamitous error just gifted a goal on, on on Saturday which you just can't have and then I asked Nigel Pearson after the match about Callas and there was little sympathy from his manager his reply was along the lines of well we'll see if he gets back in the team basically and if he responds next week and yep, that's exactly what he said if he's selected yeah. next week yeah yeah it's um, it's very but, but I mean I, I, I don't have any qualms about him I think he's a He's just having a He's bad a quality time. player. He's just, yeah, exactly that. And I think it ties into Nigel Pearson's selections in a way. Because if you think about his team at, at the weekend, obviously they were two one down at half time, and he he made two changes at the break. And and he's obviously looking at players. He's obviously said to the squad, "I'll give you, I'll give everybody a chance. You impress me." And mm-hmm. then he's brought on Jay De Silva, who hasn't played since fifth of December, mm-hmm. just come back from injury, and Alex Scott who is 17 years old and is only his second appearance. Mm. Whereas he could have brought on uh, Adam Nagy, who's a 44-cap international for Hungary. He did come on later in the game, OK, but he could have come on at half-time. He, 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 he uh, left Dan Bentley on the bench. That was just a selection decision. He wanted to see Max O'Leary. So I did point out to Nigel Pearson after the game, if you're making all these changes and you're going with younger players, which is fair enough, are you not signalling as well to the club though that the, also the players and the squad that the end of the season has come and you, you're really treating it almost like a, a friendly and, and looking at everybody you're not you're not looking for results um, yeah. immediately yeah almost like pre-season when you're just looking at all the players which I guess he, he would want to do to an extent but I mean because the results are so bad this is going to be the worst finish in, in a few years isn't it it is. It's going to be their worst finish, well, it looks like, assuming they don't beat Brentford. And I think that's going to be a major... Well, I, I just can't see it happening. Oh, I, and think, it's, I mean, we're both going to be there. and All I can see is just Brentford, just unless they make loads of changes ahead of the playoffs. But they don't need to, because it's got like eight or nine days before the playoffs. They're just going to yeah. 
I think, yeah, they'll, they'll want to finish the season on a high, won't they, Brentford? And also, Ivan Tony's got 30 goals now. If he gets one more, he'll have the record, won't he, for the most goals in the championship yeah, season. Uh, we were debating this whether Glenn Murray um, had the most, because Ivan Tony's on 30, and Glenn Murray had that terrific season. I think he got 32. We were talking about it. Um, on on EFL on Quest, but then when I when I was researching it, it said thirty on Wikipedia. So there's um, <laughs> you, um there's a few. What's the word I'm looking for? Discrepancies. Discrepancy. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The BBC was saying that he was equal, he equaled the record with that penalty at the weekend. Yeah, because he got thirty. That was um, for Crystal Palace in the 2012-13 season. So yeah, if Ivan Tony gets one more, um, yeah, he he'll. he'll be the top scorer since Glen Murray in 2012-2013, which is pretty impressive. So, yeah, he'll definitely be going for it. But you know, he might be subbed off early. They might want to, you know, keep him fresh. But, yeah, it sort of ties in with with looking ahead to Brentford, doesn't it, this weekend? You just imagine that he's just going to make more changes. He probably just wants to get a look at everyone with 13 players out of contract, Gregor, this summer, you know. He's got some big decisions to make. He is the manager, not head coach. So, how is this going to affect decisions? We're going to come on to if he's going to be linked with the replacement of, of Andy Rolls, the head of performance who has left. That was significant. We'll come on to that. But in terms of players, is he going to get a big say? Because obviously he brought Danny Simpson in, didn't he? He did, yeah. I think he's going to have a major, major say. And as as you said earlier, he's not bringing in... Uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned this last time, but he's not bringing in any other coaching staff. He's going to. I mean, that's significant. With... That is really, really significant. Um, because obviously he's very used to working with with Craig Shakespeare, but he's at Villa, and the two um, that are down there at the moment, Paul Simpson and Keith Downing, it hasn't really proved a winning combination over this season. No, uh, I think a lot of fans will equate. <laughs> them coming in and to the to the bad run and bad result but I, I think that would be harsh because I think you have to look back at the beginning of the season and see that Bristol City did play some decent football they had those four wins and things could have been very very different if they didn't have all these injuries That that's the big thing for me if they hadn't lost all these players with the I think there's a chance Dean Holden would have kept his job and I, they could be sat mid-table I don't I, I don't yeah, I, when we discussed it at the beginning of the season doing better than Nigel Pearson at the moment that's the truth yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think I think if uh, if they kept all their players fit, then they might well have been competing in the top half of the table. But what can you do when you're missing so many so many players week on week? I mean, even this weekend, it's, it is worth reiterating. Uh, obviously, they didn't, didn't have Joe Williams, Dan Bentley was on the bench, Liam Walsh couldn't play. You've got Chris Martin and, and Andy Byman prepping for next season. Callum O'Dowder out long term. Marley Watkins not involved. Taylor Moore with an ankle injury. Jadis Silver only just returning since December, uh, and the, and the list goes on and on and on. So, so yeah, almost a, missing a team uh, at the end of the season, and 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 that's been the major factor for me. And yeah, you, Nigel Pearson did sorry, did say he was going to bring in people, but probably on the medical side and, and the recruitment yeah. side. Yeah, um, to my knowledge, I think the, the only one that's going to stay on on the medical team is Andrew Proctor, um, the physio. But yeah, Andy Rolls is gone, which is which is massive. 
it it is surely indicative that the club aren't happy with what's happened with all these injuries. We've said it all season. Do you think they've completed that investigation and they found that maybe, you know, I'm sure it hasn't done anything deliberate, but maybe things just haven't been done quite as they should have? I mean, unfortunately for him, something similar happened before at a previous club, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, put it this way, we asked... We asked uh, John Lansdowne last week when it was officially announced about um, Nigel Pearson taking the management role, where the injury situation was and if there'd been an inquiry. And he basically glossed over that. It was a, a pretty much nothing answer, to be honest, from the chairman. Waste of time. And he, he did. the only thing he did mention was when we asked him if Andy Rolls leaving was related to that. To that. He said it was, it was basically probably... Um, something that was going to be good for both parties. So, you um, um, switch with Mark Ashton. Well, breaking news for you. I was about to say, I don't know. As literally as we're recording this, I've just seen a tweet from Ipswich Town saying, "We welcome Andy Rolls to no Ipswich Town." Way. Right. I, I promise you. If you're listening to this right now, I promise <laughs> that I had not seen that. And Gregor and I were just about to talk about this. So there you are. He's joining Ipswich Town. And uh, I'm just having a look myself, Gregor, on my laptop. Yeah, this is well, this was, this was, Yeah, this was the thing. We asked. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's basically the same job. And it's, it's pretty incredible that, that another club, EFL club has looked at Bristol City and decided they want to bring over the director of performance when by our estimation and and I have to say it is an estimation Bristol City have probably had the worst injury problems in in the whole of the EFL that's how high that's how I think I mean obviously I've covered all the clubs where I've been presenting EFL on Quest this season and I've obviously been to a lot of grounds and I know other teams that have had a lot of injury problems, significant ones. But to my knowledge, I we'd have to sit down and go through the statistics. But to my knowledge, I don't think there's a club that has been as heavily impacted as as Bristol City. So that is quite incredible from from Ipswich Town. But look, Mark Ashton joining up with him, and um, that actually brings me on to Gregor. Um, what Steve Lansdowne said about Mark Ashton this week in the gardening leave situation. Yes. Uh, so basically, again, that was another thing we asked. Um, John about and he, his explanation was and we have covered this before that basically Mark Ashton didn't need to go on to gardening leave because they have trust in him they've worked with him for a long time he's obviously been there five years this spell but this is a second spell that he's been doing work with the club and they have that close relationship and they his argument was that Ipswich Town isn't a direct rival I did point out that it was a rival EFL club but he said it wasn't a direct rival because they they weren't in the division I would say is that not short-sighted because in, in a year's time could it could be yeah it, it, and they're not going to go out this season obviously but but the, in a year's time they could be competing for the same players they could be competing for the same staff and and they could be in the same division so and then, I mean, tied into that, then you've got, effectively, Mark Ashton is bringing over staff already from Bristol City. Yeah. Andy Rolls confirmed. We yeah. believe Luke Luke Werhoon, the club secretary, is going to go over to Ipswich at some point as well. So so that's going to be like two staff taken away. Could there be anyone else to follow? We'll have to wait and see. Could there, This is the big one for me. Could there be any players? I mean, imagine in the summer, any of those 13, 14 players out of contract that you mentioned, Michelle, imagine they sign up 
with Ipswich Town. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. Do you think that could happen? It's well, a relationship with the manager, not the CEO, isn't it? Or is this the influence that a CEO now has? Well, you're right, absolutely. And let, let's 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 um, explain it. We don't know that any of them are going to go over there, and they may well not do. But my point is, is if, if any of them do, then surely it just it just shows what a conflict of interest there would be with not putting the CEO on gardening leave at this point in time. But but yeah, we'll we'll wait and see on that front. Stiffs, I, I guess what we're into May now, and at the end of this month, and then Mark Ashton goes over to the Tractor Boys, and um, and yeah, I, I think. Um, Basically, we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. Wow. What? It's a bit like a soap opera. It's it's not what we want to be talking about right now. I honestly really hoped we'd be sat here the first week of May, at least with a shout at the playoffs come the final week of the season. Like a couple of seasons ago, I remember, I think it was the whole game that Bristol City was still in with a shout. Um, the playoffs weren't dead in the water. And it's just, I mean, God, if it wasn't for those first five wins of the season, Bristol City would be down and out you know they'd be really struggling to stay in the championship um as it is it's going to be a fascinating final weekend away from Ashton Gate uh, with Rotherham well Rotherham play Luton tonight and then at the weekend Derby playing Sheffield Wednesday you couldn't script that um as all of those teams look to try and stay in the championship um Gregor before we go just wanted to sort of get your thoughts on the social media boycott how you found it this weekend it was weird wasn't it we both, like many of our colleagues and friends, came off social media for the whole weekend. I've got to say, in some ways, it was quite nice. You know, it's part of our job and I am on it because of, of what I do. But I like to share a few little personal things on there as well. And I think what people forget is it's literally just a snippet, a tiny, tiny snippet of your life. And everyone only puts the very best bits on there. Um, I know you don't put much personal stuff up there. You, you mainly do it for work. So how was it for you having a weekend off social media? It was it was kind of weird, but it was also kind of good in a way. It was kind of refreshing, yes, to be honest. To, yeah. yeah, and I don't know if, if it's the same for you, Michelle, but I have a lot of notifications set up so I can keep an eye on what's happening elsewhere. So my phone wasn't lighting up every five minutes, especially around the sort of five o'clock on a Saturday <laughs> time uh, with, with right. results and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, results and news, etc., from from elsewhere, and yeah, and, and it was good to kind of switch off in a way. And yeah, I, I, we've decided as a company we're going to step back and, and do the same over the last few days. And and likewise, I wanted to yeah, I wanted to get away. I do completely agree that that basically the likes of Twitter, Facebook, and etc. etc. can do more on their front in terms of yeah curbing abuse online. So it's it's something I believe in. And and yeah, as a, as I say, it was kind of nice just to step away from it really, and and, and focus on the things that that are probably a bit more important. Yeah, like honest. real life, <laughs> because yeah. social media is intertwined with real life. Of course, it is. But it was sort of nice, I guess, to be a little bit more present in in everything I was doing over the weekend as well with work, and not you know feel pressure to to tweet or, or Instagram or what have you. It's not to say that we don't enjoy doing it. I do enjoy being on social media but it actually taught me as well that every so often it's fine not to be on it for a few days um but the industry we work in i think there's a bit of pressure to be on it but it was wonderful to see most of our friends and colleagues uh, all stand together and we're not saying that someone who would maybe i don't know tweet us and say 
we hate your podcast. We hate you. We hate how you look. It, we're not saying that they wouldn't wake up and do that this morning, but it's more the fact that it's put the pressure on social media companies to say, look, if we all leave, it does actually affect you because it would have affected them. You know, the time people spend on social media is linked to how much revenue those social media companies make. So it does have an impact. So uh, if you took part in it over the weekend, thanks for joining us. Um, but we are back online now. So as we look forward to the final weekend of the season, I've been quite kind to you this season, Gregor. I've not really pushed you for many predictions because <laughs> we haven't really we haven't really felt like being particularly predictive over the last few months, especially. But go on. Just one final game of this season. What do you reckon for Brentford? Um, well, I can only see, unfortunately, a B's win. So I would go for 1-3 for for Brentford, unfortunately, I think Tony will get that goal. I think Bristol City might get a goal themselves. We've seen some better attacking play of, of late from them. There were a few chances at Millwall. Uh, obviously, they couldn't really stop things going the other way. But a lot of that stuff did come from individual errors, uh, as we were discussing earlier. And yeah, yet another set-piece goal conceded, unfortunately, at the Den. That was just... That third goal was just a crazy mm. goal mouth scramble, wasn't it? And all, I think all the centre-backs had a chance to clear it. Max O'Leary too, but none of them were able to before Ben Mitchell. Um, uh, yeah, was it Ben? And uh, Mitchell slammed it into the top corner. So, yeah, unfortunately not expecting any another good result here. It would be great if they did, as, as you say, if they could end on a positive. I think that would be something to build on ahead of what is obviously going to be quite a, um, a big summer for them. Obviously, new staff to come in. Nigel Pearson's already said that he's going to be recruiting players. So players to arrive, definitely players to leave. And that's going to be interesting in itself as to how many will be going out the door. And yeah, I, but I just can't see a way that they're going to beat, well, stop the league's leading goal scorers. So they've had problems all season at the back. I do think Nigel Pearson will will play a few more guys maybe from the fringes to give them a chance to impress. And until he gets like a settled team, a settled 11 and an experienced 11, because I think playing all the youngsters has probably not helped the team in terms of results and, and holding out at the end of games. So, yeah, we'll, I, I, unfortunately, I can only see a, a win for Brentford. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right as well. We're going to be back next week. Um, we'll carry on. Uh, until the end of May with the podcast uh, so we round up what happens in the playoffs and we start looking for clues as to what we what might be happening um, in the close season before pre-season as well so we will be back next week to look back on Brentford and look back on what has been uh, a pretty poor season especially by recent season standards but there's loads to talk about next week so join us then and as always thanks for listening wherever you're listening to this podcast if you hit subscribe then you won't miss an episode Robins at the Gate proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet your favourite place to bet always bet on red with Mansion Bet 18 plus be gambler please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts this podcast was produced by Little Monster Media